Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Coop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. We simply call it God Thinks About You, and starting off from there, that He wants to have this amazing relationship with us. So if you have your notes, the first thing I want to say is that God's thoughts about you are loving thoughts. They're not thoughts like, how come you didn't do this? When are you going to do that? His thoughts aren't that way. His thoughts are loving. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's there in your notes. It might be your favorite verse. It's one of my favorite verses. How many like Jeremiah 29, 11? Look at that. See, a lot of you guys already found that verse. If you haven't found this verse yet and made it your own, let today be the day you do that. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That is good news. It does not matter what you have done, what you haven't done, what you've been through. God is thinking loving thoughts about you right now. Today, he's thinking great thoughts about you. Remember when you were in grade school and somebody told you that somebody else in class liked you, another boy liked you, another girl liked you, and they, oh, they like you, they, they, get, they want to pass on a note to you, and you just kind of got Twitter page, you go, oh, man, they, they like me, and, and you, okay, let me, let me get up the nerve to talk to them, and, and you wanted to be in a relationship, hopefully, or if they were cute, you was like, okay, I want to be in a relationship with them, and it got sparked because they said something, they voiced that they were thinking about you, that they liked you. Well, God voiced that he likes you. God's always the initiator. In the Garden of Eden, he was the initiator. In the book of Revelation, he's the initiator. The book covers, if you like, of this amazing book, 66 books in one. On either side of it and all the way through is God initiating his love for the people. In Revelations, it says to a church, one of the churches, the Lord Jesus Christ says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Christians. These are believers. He says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. He's initiating. He's at the door. He says, if you open the door, if you hear my voice, I want to hang out with you. I want to dine with you, it says. I want to have a meal with you. What's a good meal? It's not just about the food. It's about the, the, the relationship that happens around the meal, the laughter. A good time out is when we laugh and when we share and when we just are intimate around a meal. That's your Lord. That's God saying, I want to dine with you. I'm initiating it. I'm thinking about you. When you show up at somebody's door and you knock on the door, how many know that person's been thinking before they got to the door? God's thinking about you this morning, knocking on your heart's door, saying, I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. I want to be in a relationship with you. That is amazing. So today, first of all, God is thinking loving thoughts about you. Secondly, he's thinking countless thoughts and constantly thinking about you. He's constantly thinking about you. Countless thoughts. You can't even number how many thoughts he's thought about you today. Your mom might not have thought about you. Your boyfriend might not have thought about you. Your grandmother may not be thinking about you today. And your kids might not be thinking about you. But I know this, that God is absolutely thinking about you. More thoughts than you can count. The thoughts are good. They're not evil. They're about your future. He cares about it. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And he's thinking about it today. Constantly thinking about you. That's amazing. Look at Psalm 139, 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? Exclamation mark. They are innumerable, exclamation mark. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, exclamation mark. And when I wake up in the morning, you're still with me, exclamation mark. I just get the feeling that the guy who wrote this was really excited because they're all exclamation marks. 
They're precious. They're numerable. Kind of like Landry making his announcement. You were, you were really excited. You got that zeal of a youth leader. And I think whoever wrote this, probably David, he's got this zeal, this excitement. Man, God, you're thinking about me. What a revelation. You know what, that hap- what happens when we realize God's thinking about us? He's not mad at us. He loves us. What does it do? It makes us want to pray. It makes us want to be in a relationship with him. Who wants to be in a relationship with a God who we think is mad at us, doesn't think about us, doesn't care about us? Oh, you helped that person. He's not going to help me. Look what I did or look what I didn't do. And I, I blew it there. I goofed up there. God won't, want to, God won't want to be with me. That is such a stinking lie. There is not a one of us that God does not want to have intimate fellowship, relationship with. And then he, his thoughts about us are higher than our thoughts. I mean, it's kind of like we have a ceiling. We can, we're finite. We can only go this high. But God's thoughts are so much greater than our thoughts. He said this in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So God's thinking some pretty good stuff about you today. And he's inviting you to find out what those thoughts are. When you're in prayer, when you're intimate with God, his thoughts get downloaded to you. In prayer, it's like you sync up with God. And those thoughts become your thoughts. If you want to go to a higher place, think higher thoughts. Want to have a better way, higher way, hook up with him. He goes to a higher place, higher thoughts, higher ways when you hook up with God. And the cool thing is, he really is thinking about us today and inviting us to be in relationship with him. So first of all, we just want to set this point out there that God wants to engage with us. He's thinking about us. And then secondly... Really, we instinctively want to pray. It's in our DNA. We're we're created to pray. We're created from day one to yearn for a relationship with God. There's a neat verse in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, and if you're in the life groups this week, you'll hear Pastor Jim Simbola talk about this verse. We put it here in the notes for you. Genesis 4, 26, the latter part of that verse says, Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. It's in the very early days... After Cain and Abel, all some people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Why did they call on him? Because they were having hard times and trouble. When we have trouble, we instinctively go to the Lord. And sometimes God even uses that to his advantage to encourage us to pray. It shouldn't be that way, but often we don't pray until we are in trouble. Aren't you glad that God doesn't say, well, you know, when things were going good, you didn't come to me, so now you're disqualified. It doesn't work that way. He's a gracious God. And sometimes we may think, well, he probably doesn't want to talk to me because, you know, when things were good, I ignored him, so he's probably going to ignore me now. People might work that way, but God doesn't work that way. he's, he's, He's kind of bigger than that. He's really secure in who he is. And he's all right with that, and he's, he's not like that. We, we kind of frame God in the context of our world, but really he's so much bigger than what we can ask or think or imagine. He's way beyond that. He just entrusts me in this. I really want to have a relationship with you. Call upon me. I'll be there. 
Blaise Pascal, great French mathematician, said this. It's in your notes. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus. What a great statement. Great mathematician, great spokesman, great scientist, nailed it. God-shaped vacuum in all of us. We will instinctively want to fill that vacuum or that void with something. And uh, prayer is a key for that. Uh, if you've been watching the news at all, uh, prayer is coming up in our country. Quebec, February, there was an article in the Toronto Sun and different papers as well. This columnist in Toronto Sun had this to say. She starts off by saying, let us pray. That's kind of unusual for a columnist to start by saying, let us pray. Then she goes on to write, And this morning we uphold the mayor of Saguenay, Quebec, a devout Roman Catholic who has had enough and isn't going to take it anymore. Mayor Jean Tremblay is ignoring the order of the Quebec Human Rights Tribunal, which has banned the traditional prayer that precedes Saguenay's council meeting, has also allowed the crucifix, the statue of the Sacred Heart, on display. The ruling came after a single citizen complained the prayer and religious symbols violated his freedom of conscience. She goes on to write, Canadian Christians have been biting their tongues for years at the never-ending slights they've endured, the removal of prayer, religious symbols from public spaces, sneers, and outright suspicion that have become the common reaction to their faith. In many Canadian communities, even traditional Sunday morning church bells have been silenced by anti-noise bylaws. And so prayer is back on the radar screen. People are talking about prayer because it's being silenced in different ways. In 1989, it was on the uh, radar screen in B.C. because in 1989, the Supreme Court of Canada said that we couldn't say the Lord's Prayer anymore in our schools in B.C. It had been happening since 1871, 1871 to 1989. They were allowed to pray in our schools in B.C. And then the Supreme Court says, no, you guys don't get to do that anymore. But how many know that you can pray in school even if they don't let you pray in school? We found that out in Columbine, 1999. And if you read the follow that story at all, one of the uh, lady, young ladies was killed. Her, her father also had a son in school, and he was underneath the desk when the, he saw two of his friends shot in school. And he stood up and challenged the people. This is the United States, very similar to our country. And he said, Prayer was reinstituted that day because everybody was praying. You may have banned prayer in school, but we were praying. You know what? You can't stop people from praying. In times of trouble, we instinctively, we will pray. We'll call out to God. Aren't you glad that God hears our prayers in times of trouble? Another article, interesting, this of the National Post is beginning of February. It says, dedicated prayer rooms at odds with secular schools. Under a province-wide policy, Ontario school boards must be more inclusive in accommodating different faiths during the school day. In one Waterloo, Ontario school, this means a room set aside with holy books and prayer mats for Muslims. Given the complaints that have greeted the presence of Christmas trees and disbursements of Bibles in other schools, is there a contradiction in making special allowances for some faiths and not for others? Like it or not, folks, there is a tension in our country over prayer in public places, prayer in our world again. So where does that leave us? Number one, in our homes, we need to be praying. Secondly, our churches need to be praying. Prayer in school, maybe it comes back, maybe it doesn't come back officially, but one thing for certain, we can be in prayer wherever we are. 
People are talking about it. We're going to wrestle with it some more in the years to come. Watch what happens. We will wrestle with it. Our, our country is going through changes. We were founded on prayer when we were in Montreal last week. And thank you, church, by the way, for praying for Cheryl and I when we were there. We really felt it and appreciated it. Memorial services are always kind of a bittersweet event, but we really felt the prayers of our church family when we were there. And it was interesting. We took a little drive around the city with a pastor friend, and uh, on the Mount Royal there, there's this cross that's up there. You can't miss it in Montreal. It's really, I think as Christians, it is... uh, it's an icon for our nation. We need to know about these things in our, in our, because it's our, it's our Canadian culture. In the 1600s, there was a flood through the St. Lawrence. One of the founders of the city of Montreal had got up that day and he prayed. It was a Christmas time in 1642, something like that. And he said, we're going to pray. We're going to trust God that the St. Lawrence River will not come into the fort tonight. And uh, as God hears our prayers tomorrow, I am going to carry a cross to the top of that mountain and uh, in, in honor of God keeping his word. And then he did that. God answered prayers. And today there's this big steel cross in memory of that that's lit up over Montreal. The pastor that I was traveling with, he said, Montreal now has a bylaw that you cannot build a building that would be higher than that cross in the city. That's your Canadian history. That's, that's Canadian culture. People say, well, what is Canadian culture? That's Canadian culture. A man who prayed, a man who believed God. At one time, I didn't know this, I thought it was interesting, but Quebec had more people going to church than anywhere else in the world. It's not that way anymore, but about 40 years ago, that was what they said. It was known as a city of crosses. You could see so many churches with crosses in the city. A lot of them had to be, a lot of them have closed down, and they're, neat. they're praying for revival there. The freeway that he drove us to the airport on, he said, on on this freeway alone, 27 churches were torn down to build the freeway. That's how many churches were in Montreal. This is our country. This is our our heritage. And uh, God's doing something. He's bringing prayer back. You can't stop it. You can't legislate not to pray. Because guess what? People pray anyhow. You can't say, you cannot pray. Who pray? How can you stop somebody from praying? Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is coming back. We're going to talk about prayer. No church is greater than his prayer life. No person is greater than his prayer life. In the series that you can go through, Jim Simbla, he'll talk about their amazing story and the part that prayer had to play with it. Prayer had a huge part to play with us being here. I think it had everything to do with us being here in the heart of the city. Prayer and fasting and trusting God to, to do the impossible. Prayer is great because prayer connects you with God. When you're connected with God, all things are possible. Wow. And thank you again for praying for us at, our, at that uh, memorial service. We certainly felt your prayers. And, and honestly, I, I really needed your prayers. I was asked to do the memorial service with the, with the uh, Mennonite pastor there and also the Catholic deacon that had come there to help us. And uh, before the service, my sister had, it was a you know, Mount Royal there, a big funeral home and, and lots of people in attendance. And so we had a little celebration afterwards. And so my sister said, could you... Uh, take some of the refreshments to carry these boxes in. So I had four big boxes of, of refreshments and quite heavy. And so I said to my brother, it's snowing, it's kind of messy. Let's just take each grab two, they're heavy, but let's just get this done. And we were kind of late, half an hour before the memorial started. I still had to meet with this other, other ministers. And so 
I grabbed two of the boxes and carried them in, went by the cooler. And I wanted to be very careful I didn't hurt my back because I knew how to get them speaking. They were heavy. So, you know, when you set things down, you got to be very careful, keep your back straight. I did. I kept my back very straight. But the problem was I heard a huge rip. <laughs> Just as I was about to put the boxes down, I thought, oh, no, 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 no. This can't be happening. Please tell me No. And sure enough, I thought, well, my suit jacket will cover it. But, folks, it was from the seat of my pants to below my knee. My, it just ripped it right open. And I just remember, you ever one of those moments, I just stood like, I, I can't believe this just happened. What am I going to do? I looked at my brother. He goes, I don't know. It's like. And then the. The Catholic minister is saying uh, in his French accent, you know, come on, we, we need to meet to go over the service. And so I, I had my, thankfully, I had my long black wool coat over top, and I just kind of walked out of there discreetly and, and, and sat down and, and said yes. <laughs> and so I'm trying to tuck things in, you know, I'm just like, okay. He, and he's, he was very nice. He's going through every single point in the back of my mind. I'm not hearing anything. I'm just like, how do I fix this? How do I fix And he says, do you understand this? Says, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's all good to me. And then the other minister is going through point by point. And I'm just like, I just want to get, get fix this problem. And my brother came over. And, 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 and he's, you know, he's kind of a handy man kind of guy. He says, David, it's all right. We'll get some tape. Do the red-green special. We'll just get some duct tape. No problem. And so we asked the guy at the funeral for some duct tape. He said, no, we don't have any duct tape, but we have packing tape. We'll packing tape work. At this point, we're desperate. So I finished this little meeting, excused myself. And that was like five minutes to go. I run to the washroom, and I'm, I got packing tape all over my pants. <laughs> so, folks, it was serious. I didn't know what else to do. I'm going to stand in front of hundreds of people. I got to walk up in front of them. So I came out, and I said to Cheryl, you know, is it going to work? <laughs> she goes, no, no, Dave, no, you cannot go in front of people like that. I say, oh, great, what do I do? And it's, every time I'm walking, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and besides, I was pulling all the hair off my legs. So I was... <laughs> it's just, it's not cool, not cool. That wasn't funny. I don't know why you're laughing. It was not funny at all. So I sat down. And I, they had this little bench for the ministers up front. But I just went and sat beside Cheryl, a place I could easily get up and walk to the front. And they, they're saying, come, no, come sit up front with us. Come sit. I said, no, that's okay. They said, come, come. I said, no, that's okay, that's okay. So I got my long jacket on, wool coat. It's packed. I mean, this, there's standing room in the back. It's full. Nobody's wearing their coats, but I got my coat on. <laughs> Everybody's looking. Okay. So then I walked up to the front, and I, I was debating to either wear the coat or not wear the coat. I'm glad I wore the coat, because at least it would cover up my leg. And I walked up to the front. I said, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that it's cold in here. It's just that I tore my pants open <laughs> this morning. And so that, it actually was good, because it broke the ice, and uh, we had an amazing memorial service. So prayer works. It got me through that jam. <laughs> I called on God in the name of time, time of trouble, and prayer will work when we have times of trouble. Ah, number B, God uses times of trouble to draw us near. Uh, he says in Psalm 50, verse 15, Trust me in your times of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. seems like God uses trouble to encourage us to pray. He invites us, call on me in times of trouble. What kind of trouble do we have at Coastal Church? 
What kind of trouble do you have? Well, by your response cards, we have an idea what kind of trouble you're facing. Here's a slide that shows the, re- the feedback you've given to us on areas to pray. Number one is relationships. It seems like we call it to God in need of our relationships. That's the biggest need. This is you, Coastal Church. This is your needs. Number one is relationship. Number two, we find, is healing and recovery. Recovery from addictions, physical healing, lumped together. About 30% of our needs have been that. Job and school. Seems like we have trouble in our job or in school we have trouble, so we need prayer for that. Uh, finances, 10%. I don't know if that's supposed to be a tithe or what, but it just happened to be 10%. So there you go. I think that's a coincidence. But we have financial troubles. We have spiritual battles. We need trouble because we need, need guidance. So there's a snapshot of the troubles that we face in our church. You know what? No matter where you are in that pie or what your need is, God wants to hear from you and answer you in your time of trouble. David says in Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Most people believe David wrote that. And a lot of theologians believe that he wrote it when he was running from Absalom. If you know the story of Absalom, Absalom was David's son. And I won't take time to tell you the story, but what a mess. It just was a family mess. And Absalom had committed murder in their family. Uh, He had witnessed his sister raped. He killed the guy who raped her. Family member, it's messy. It's just messy stuff. And uh, he turns on his dad. His dad's older, David's older, he's younger. And he turns on his dad. People loved him. They liked Absalom. The younger generation liked Absalom because of his good looks, for one thing. In 2 Samuel chapter 14, I think it is, it says that Absalom was so good looking, everybody in the country was talking about it. Like he was on the cover of all the GQ magazines, he was on ET, I mean, they were covering Absalom, he was so good looking. Matter of fact, it says, from the sole of his feet to the top of his head, there was no blemish, he was just so good looking. And apparently he had amazing hair, not that I'm jealous or anything, but he had this amazing hair. And he, he cut it once a year, and it weighed anywhere, depending on how you would translate the weight measurement to today's measurement, they say anywhere from two pounds to five pounds of hair. So a guy apparently had amazing hair. I could use a pound of that and I'd be happy. But anyhow, he had this amazing hair and he was really good looking, but he used his charm and his popularity to revolt against his dad. And King David is running from his own son. How that hurt him. And he is fleeing for his life. He runs out of Jerusalem through the Kidron Valley up towards Mount of Olives. And he's, he's hiding out and he's praying this. As a deer pants for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Now, we long for the living water. Jesus is the living water. He, and there's something about being thirsty for God that we need that is satisfied in prayer. But when we're in times of trouble, this verse has a very interesting meaning. The Dakes Bible tells us that this particular deer, also called a heart, a deer, this deer would run into the water when it was being pursued by dogs or by a predator. And it would jump into the water, and it had the ability to float or to submerge itself under the water with just its nose sticking up out of the water. Then it would float downstream, not touching any of the branches, and then further downstream, it would jump up on the other side of the water, 
and the predator, the dogs that were trailing it, could not pick up the scent of that deer. They'd come to the water's edge. They'd sniff around, sniff around, sniff around. They'd look. They couldn't see it because it was submerged. It was in the water. Then downstream, it'd jump out and run to freedom. And the predators, the dogs, are frustrated because they can't find this. They can't find the deer. How does that apply to us? Jesus is the living water. The Colossians 3.13 says that we are hidden in Christ. And when we're in times of trouble and we run to him, we run to the Lord, we submerge ourselves in worship, we submerge ourselves in his word, we submerge ourselves in prayer, the enemy who's chasing us can't smell our scent. He's like, where did it go? I know he was here somewhere. I was, I'm sure I was just about to go capture him, but I can't find him. Where did he go? Because you're hidden in Christ. You're under this protection. As a deer... Pants for streams of water. I long for you, O God. In times of trouble, he's there to protect us. The disciples instinctively wanted to pray. Matter of fact, that's what they told the Lord. Lord, teach us how to pray. Look at Luke 11, verse 1 there in your notes. Once when Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him as he finished and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, they could have asked folks honestly, Teach us how to lead, because Jesus was an amazing leader. There's a book called Lead Like Jesus. He's an amazing leader. Could teach us how to lead. Look, he said, Lord, teach us how to organize, how to raise children, how to make money, how to manage your time. Teach us about world peace. They could have said all those things. But notice what the disciples said. Lord, teach us to pray. I think we need to be praying the same thing. No matter if you're new no matter if you've never prayed or if you've been praying for 50 years, I think it's still, Lord, teach me how to pray. That's why every Saturday morning before we start praying at 8 o'clock, the first 15 minutes, we just teach on a principle of how to pray. So important that we learn how to pray. And you never stop. It's never like, I've arrived. Now I have got my doctorate in prayer and I always know how to pray. No, you always are learning how to pray to go deeper in the things of God. Ah, so first of all, again, God's thinking about us, loves us, first loved us. That invites us to pray. Secondly, it's in our DNA. We instinctively want to pray. But the third, I just want to share this morning that God's a lot closer, a lot nearer than what we think. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. When you get in trouble, you know what the trouble is with being in trouble? You don't know how to get out of trouble. But if you call to God, God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and I'll show you how to get out of trouble. Could have been the healing. It could have been the financial. It could have been the relationship thing. But you don't know how to get out of trouble. Our problem is, as humans, you know what our problem is? We try to fix it ourselves. And we don't pray soon enough. We don't listen soon enough. And God say, hey, I'll help you get out of trouble. The idea is to submit to God and say, God, I come to you because you love me. Now show me my way out. Ephesians chapter 2, 18 says he treats us as equals and so made us equals. Through him we both share the same spirit. We have equal access. If you like, circle the word access. Access to the Father. Access to the Creator. Access to God. Wow. Isn't that fantastic? Access to God. Think about it. Holy God, creator of the universe, we have access to him. In 2005, Warren Buffett, anybody know who Warren Buffett is? You guys know who Warren Buffett is. Makes lots of money, advises lots of people. 
Well, he went on eBay and he had a bid that if you put up the most money, you could have a one-hour lunch with Warren Buffett. So the bidding went up and up and up, and it stopped at $351,100. Some guy paid over $351,000 to have lunch with Warren Buffett. He had access to Warren Buffett. He could have an hour, one hour of Warren Buffett's time for $351,000. Warren Buffett's, it would be amazing to have lunch with him. I'm sure you could learn a lot in an hour. But think about it. We have access to the creator of the universe, and we don't have to pay for it. But somebody paid for it, and it didn't cost $351,000. Our access to the Father cost a lot more than $351,000. Matter of fact, it cost more than all the gold or silver or platinum or any other precious metal or diamond. You put it all together, it costs more than that. Our access to the Father cost the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so we could come into his presence without shame, without fear. We could confidently come into his presence. Folks, that is huge that we can come into his presence. Because sometimes we don't think, I'm worthy to pray. I can't be praying. Look what I've done in my life. I'm not good enough. Jesus says, I will take care of that so you can come into the presence of God the Father. Wow. Nothing stopping us from being in his presence. Nothing stopping us from praying as we receive the life that Christ gave for us. God's a lot closer than what we think he is. Nicky Gumbel in the Alpha Course gives a great example of this. We used it yesterday at the Holy Spirit Weekend. And if you haven't yet gone to Alpha, you need to plug into it. Here's a sample of the teaching. I'm going to throw it into the message this morning. Listen to his story. Helps drive home the point that God's a lot closer than what we think he is. When uh, I was at university, my four closest friends were all called Nicky. There were five of us Nickies. <laughs> and all of us uh, came to faith at roughly the same time. And often we used to have these kind of lunch parties, which were the five Nickies, and then there was, there we were all male Nickies, but we managed to find some female Nickies as well to join us. Uh, and then we found some honorary Nickies. Uh, and, we, and we used to meet in these rooms, which are S1 and S2 Heels Court, which was on the high street just above Barclays Bank. And some of these lunch parties, we had quite a lot of people there, they used to get quite rowdy. One time we were having a discussion about just how thick the ceiling was between us and Barclays Bank. <laughs> A, we were interested in whether they could hear us down in the bank. With, uh, and the other thing, not me that raised this, but one of my friends raised this. <laughs> Whether we could rob the bank. <laughs> Whether we could kind of, you know, if it was just floorboards there and you could just get through, maybe in the night we could get down into the bank and see what was in there. So uh, we decided we would conduct an experiment and try and find out just how thick this floor was. And what we decided to do is we to send one of the... It was actually an honorary Nikki that we sent down into the bank. Her name was Kay. She went down into the bank and we would gradually build up the noise. So we would start with one person jumping. Then two, then three, then four. And we built it up until ten people were all jumping together. Then we'd have one person off a chair, two off a chair, three off a chair, up to ten off chairs, and then off the table. One off the table, two off the table, until we had eventually ten off the table. And uh, we wondered at what stage in this uh, process Kay would be able to hear us down in the bank. It turned out that the ceiling was much thinner than anyone had anticipated. <laughs> It was a busy lunchtime, uh, one o'clock, so everyone was going into the bank, uh, and Kay could hear immediately the first person who jumped. 
But she was standing in a queue waiting for, uh, just as she felt she ought to go and stand in a queue, she didn't want to look as if she was part of what was happening. <laughs> and then it occurred to her, there's quite a long way to go in this process. <laughs> and the noise started to build, but she thought she'd, she'd kind of tough it out, she'd, she'd just stay there. But she realised after a bit that it sounded like there was a thunderstorm. Everybody stopped what they were doing. The bank clerks were just stopping. Everybody was staring at the scene like this. And she thought, I can't go now because they'll think that I'm a party to this. So she decided to stay. And uh, what started to happen was bits of the ceiling. This is literally true. Bits of the ceiling started to come off. I thought it was a polystyrene ce uh, ceiling. In fact, I discovered afterwards it wasn't. But uh, bits of the ceiling started to come down into the bank. So she, she did eventually come back up to tell us that we could be heard down in the bank. <laughs> Someone heard me uh, telling this story uh, on, on video, actually, and they, they wrote to me. <laughs> and they said uh, they were interested in my reference to S1 and S2 Hewell's Court. He said, because I was the... College clerk of works at the time. <laughs> he said the problem of sound penetration between S1 and S2 and Barclays Bank was reported to me. But until now, I did not know who it was who had caused it. <laughs> it was not polystyrene tiles that fell from the bank, but part of the suspended ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Have no fear, there will not be any recrimination. <laughs> the point of that story, and there is a point, <laughs> is that the barrier was much smaller than we thought. And I think in terms of prayer, the, the, the barrier between us and God is much less than many people think. In fact, it's non-existent. We have access by the Spirit. St. Paul writes later in, in Romans 8, Good, he says, the, the Spirit helps... We'll pause there. We have access... Look at this last verse and we'll wrap up. Hebrews 4.16, let us fearlessly, confidently, and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners that we may receive for our failures and find grace to help in the good time, in good time for every need, appropriate help, well-timed help coming just when we need it. Folks, when we pray, we have access right into his presence to help us in a time of need. God's thinking about us. We instinctively want to pray, and God is a lot closer than we realize, waiting for us to call upon him. He really cares about us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.